The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Three weeks ago, we, we, we started a series called Did Jesus Really Say That? And, and, and then I explained that growing up as a, as a Christian, reading the, the words of Jesus, sometimes I come across certain words that, that shock me, and they shock me so much that I, I, I say to myself, did, did Jesus really say that? And we looked at those, a few of those from the past three weeks, and, and we unpacked them, as it were, to explain what Jesus really, really meant. We started by looking at, do not resist an evil person. When Jesus says, do not resist an evil person, what does he mean? And, and how does that apply to us? And last week, we looked at Jesus saying, follow me. And um, we kind of mixed that with, let the dead bury the dead. But today, by the grace of God, we'll be looking at the words you say will acquit or condemn you. Our text today is from Matthew chapter 12, verse 35 to 37. Matthew 12, 35 to 37. The word of God says that a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give accounts, must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, I, I say, when I read this passage of scripture, scripture particularly the very first time I, I, I encountered them, I, mean, you know, I, I can understand if Jesus says, Femi, I will hold you accountable for the things you do. Okay, that makes sense. If, if I steal, you should hold me accountable for it. I mean, and all that, the things I do. But Jesus is, 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 is pushing it further. He says, I will hold you accountable for the things you say. Now, I, I struggle a little bit with that, but I, I can accept that. You will hold me accountable for the things I say. But Jesus pushed the envelope further. And he says, I will hold you accountable for every I do what? Not just the things you do, not just the things you say, even the things you say idly. That is, the things you say um, jokingly. Jesus says, I will hold you accountable. So, it shows you how God sees our words. He sees our words as life. And he takes our words seriously. You know, if you look at our lives today, you are where you are today because, largely because of what you said yesterday. If you, if you went to law school, if you remember, you said, I am going to law school. You, you said, I am going to study um, engineering. You said, I am going to marry this girl. And you end up, you know. You said, I'm going to... and. Your words create your future. So if you say you can't, guess what? You can't. If you say, oh, 
oh, this thing is too difficult. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to be too difficult. If you say, oh, this thing is killing me, guess what's going to happen? Slow death. If you say, oh, this job is so unproductive, just a waste of time, guess what's going to happen? It's just going to be a waste of time. But guess what? The converse is also the case. If you say you can, then by the grace of God, you, you can. If you say, I will, then by the grace of God, you will. If you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even though you don't feel like it, eventually you will be able to. If you say, I will enter this phase of my life, it's just a function of time. You will. If you don't stop saying it. You will. And it is so important because God wants us to start speaking our future. Start speaking the future you want to see. What is that future that you want to see? Start speaking it. Start speaking it today. Now listen, you may look ridiculous when you Start speaking a future that doesn't match up with your current situation. In fact, you may look very funny saying that you are what you believe God for and you are not it yet. It makes you look ridiculous sometimes. But you see, the truth is that the future belongs to those that don't mind looking ridiculous today. The future belongs to those people that don't mind looking ridiculous today. You, you look ridiculous, but, but you, you, you speak it anyway. You, you are weak. And you, the word of God says, let the weak say, I am strong. Then you say, I am strong. And your neighbor says, when will you start deceiving yourself? So you look ridiculous Because you are saying the things that don't yet exist. Ridiculous produces the miraculous. The ridiculous produces the miraculous. If you you would just be ridiculous according to God's word, you will experience the miraculous by the grace of God. Case in point, Abraham. Abraham didn't have a child. And his name meant exalted father. That alone was ridiculous. How can your name be exalted father? You don't have a child. Then God called Abraham out. And God said to Abraham, Abraham, he said, yes, sir. God says, how old are you again? Abraham said, I'm 75 years old, sir. God, God says that you don't have a child, do you? Abraham said, no, no, sir. You, you know, we are still petitioning heaven. And um, God says, um, your name is Abraham, exalted father. In fact, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, father of many nations. Now, it's bad enough that his name was Abraham without a son. And God says, you know what? I'm going to make you look more ridiculous by calling you father of many nations, even though you don't have a child. So everywhere he went, they were saying, Abraham, father of anything. Are you able now to do that thing? How do you? (laughs) 
my nose is twisting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what is yimu in English again? Eh? That is it. Yimu is yimu. Okay. <laughs> it will just yimu for you now. Abraham. You know? And, you know, and it's, it's, it sounds ridiculous. And, and, and Abraham did not reject it. Abraham embraced the ridiculous so that he can see the miraculous. He embraced the ridiculous. Sometimes you are broke. Your friends know you are broke. Everybody knows you are broke. And they see you and they say, back MD. They, are, they may be mocking you, but I'm here to tell you, don't get upset. Just receive it. Just receive it. They know you are trusting God for the fruit of the womb. And they say, Yabiji. You know, some people can be callous. But guess what? From today, stop getting angry. Stop getting depressed. Begin to receive it. Begin to what? Receive it. Begin to receive it. Growing up in, in university, um, in Unilag, you know, my, my friend, Pastor Shana, came here and was saying what university was, was what close to Unilag. Or was, you know, I was like, if I catch him. <laughs> anyway, everybody knows the best university in, in Nigeria, don't you? You don't? Oh, it's in Akoka now, University of Lagos. <laughs> Anyway, I know, don't beef me now. Uh, when I was in Unilag, everybody has a nickname. For some reason, my friends, I don't know where they got it from, always call me, even till today, money man, money man, money man. And in thinking back, I've not seen the money yet, but I accept it. I'm going to see the money. They had another name, they, they call me, you know, when you do something outrageous, you know, there are different nicknames for different Things, actions, you know. When you do something outrageous with a babe or something, they say, Femo Scorpion. <laughs> so when I, when I got saved, I said to them, You know what? Drop the scorpion. The word of God says, I will trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the parts of the enemy. So don't call me what is beneath me. You can leave the Femo or drop the scorpion. What's my point? My point is, you will live up to what you are called. Sometimes, the things you are being called is a positive prophecy, but it's ridiculous compared to where you are. Accept it. I accept money man, because I'm going to be so wealthy. I'm going to buy nations. I say, if you don't want to submit to Jesus, get out of my country. <laughs> so your word is your life your word is your life you, you can't separate a man from his words as fathers we need to understand that our words is our lives you can't separate a man from his words if a man is no good his word is no good if his words are no good the man is no good so, as far as you have, you have to be men of integrity, your sons should be able to go to sleep when daddy has said so. Your wife should be able to go to rest 
what's daddy has given his word. Why? Because you cannot dissociate a man from his words. The man is his word. So, so the illustration I give is, is this. If, if you, you have your neighbor, after Sunday service, he goes home, he eats pounded yam, a goosey soup, and he gets very happy, and he, he wakes up and, and, and calls everybody on the street. says he wants to have a street meeting. And he says, everybody comes, says, I hereby declare tomorrow as public holiday. Will you go to work? Ah, but your neighbor has just declared it the public holiday. You will just laugh. In fact, you look at this wife and say, what have you given this guy? And you will still go to work. But if the president of this nation goes on national TV and says, I hereby declare tomorrow as public holiday, will you go to work? But they both said the same thing. What's the difference? They both said the same words. The difference is the man that said the words. The same thing when you face a situation and you say, in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is powerful in itself, but sometimes the name of Jesus will not work for some people. Take sons of Skiva. They say, we adjure you in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Come out. They say, wait, 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 wait. Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. Who are you? So the issue is not what you have said. The issue is who are you? Because who you are, put weights behind what you say. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Who are you? You can't separate a man from his words. From today on, your words will begin to carry weight. If it has been, it will carry more and more weight. In the mighty name of Jesus. And the worth of a person to you is the worth of his words to you. The words of a person to you is the worth of his words to you. So if, if, if someone says something and it means nothing to you, that person really means nothing to you. If someone says, oh, I want you to do this, and you ignore it, you do what you want to do. You, what you have said is that person really means nothing to you. As fathers, you need to realize that. If you have children and you, or you, maybe your, your wife, I hope not, and you say, this is what I, I want done, and they throw it back in your face, it really means you mean nothing to them. And that's just the truth. As a pastor, I know that. You know, Jesus, with Jesus, he says, you call me Lord, Lord, you... Lord, Lord, hey, you are the best father in the world. But I've said, don't do this. And you insist that that's what you do. Who are you deceiving? President of the Lord. Similarly, the same thing with God. The worth of God to you is the worth of God's word to you. So if God has said to you that I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor seed beg bread. And you are still worrying what 
is going to happen to your children if, 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 if you are going to be able, they're going to beg and da, 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 da. What you are saying is that, God, you really are not dependable. That's what you are saying to God. You are saying you are not dependable. If God says A and you are questioning A with your doubts, with your worrying, with your anxiety, that's how to, that's how to live an anxiety-free life. Who is God to you? Who God is to you is not the words you say when you are worshipping. You are not a God created by human hands. You are God alone. From before time began. You are God alone. Jesus, now big man. We don't know I'm calling him small boy. But you are calling him a small boy. When he says to you, by my wounds, you are healed. And you don't believe it. You are saying, you can't do what he has said he will do. That's what you are saying. So you need to step back and look at these things carefully. Am I disdaining God? For instance, God said, they looked unto him and they were lightened. And their faces were not ashamed. God says, everyone that looks unto him will never go back ashamed. And you are saying, you, you are looking unto God and you are about to be put to shame. Excuse me, is God going to begin to fail on your own account? You are, you are about to set world history record. The first person that looked unto God and was put to shame. Is, 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 is that... What you think you want, you're about to do? It's not going to happen. Because as you look unto God, the problem is you are not looking unto God, but as you look unto God, you will not be put to shame. Say amen as if you mean it. Come on. You will not. So fix your gaze on God. God is dependable. His word is reliable because of who he is. His word is reliable. But for, for us, the same way God is saying to you and I, not only is my word supposed to be reliable, I don't want you, I want you to see the weight of your own words. Don't waste your words. What is cast is usually seen as precious. In fact, the Bible says that even a fool, when a fool keeps quiet and makes his words scarce, people think he's a wise person. Until he begins to speak. <laughs> God doesn't want us to blab away and talk too much. If you see people that talk a lot, I'm, it usually breaks my heart. Why? Because people that talk a lot usually don't go very far. Sad. Usually don't. But you will go far. In the mighty name of Jesus. So you need to understand, in Proverbs 10, 19, the word of God says in Proverbs 10, 19, that too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible. Everybody say, be sensible. Be sensible and, everyone, let's say this together. I want to go. Keep. Everybody say it again. Say it again. Now look at your neighbor. Say it again. Say it's not me, but it's the word of God. Say it again. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. Shut up. It's not an insult. 
I'm quoting scriptures. <laughs> keep your mouth shut. If you keep your mouth, you keep your life. James 1.19. James 1.19. This is one of the secrets to greatness. If you get this, you become unstoppable. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all, not a few of you, you must all be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Therein lies the secret of greatness. One of the secrets of greatness. You must be quick to listen. The challenge is that we are not listening. We are not listening. God is giving us keys that will solve our problems and take us in this. We are not listening. Be quick to listen. Unfortunately, we turn it around. We are slow to listen. We are quick to speak. We, we are quick to get angry. I can't count the number of times I'm, 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 I'm talking to people. And before I, I just start, maybe I just started talking. And before I could finish this sentence, they begin to talk. And when they begin to talk, I keep quiet. And I said to them, you don't know what I want to say. I said, I know what you want to say. It's not what you want to say. It's not what you want to say. Don't want to say that. 100% of the time, they are wrong. If it's someone that's close to me, I correct them. If someone that's not close to me, I just keep quiet. And I will listen to what they have to say. And the chin-chini they have, I will collect it. Why? Because he that listens grows. He that talks gives. He that listens, receives. He that receives, increases. Now, and, and, and it's, it's so powerful because God wants us to be quick to listen. To be quick to listen means you know, the fact that you are quiet does not mean you are listening. You may be quiet and, and you may not be listening. I mean, those of us that are married, we know that those of us men, we are gifted in that being quiet and not listening. <laughs> You know, and I watch the, are you, are you, are you listening to me? Oh, yes, 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 I'm listening to you. Ah, but you are reading the newspaper. Ah, ah, it's the tomorrow. It's the ears they used to do, to hear. My eyes are reading, but my ears are open. Do you know that everything that gives or receives information in your body, eye closes. The mouth closes, but the air does not close. Always open. God is trying to teach us something. Be quick to what? To listen. Be quick to listen. In fact, there's a new study in neuroscience that proves that multitasking is impossible. It's a myth. Nobody can multitask. No human being can you think we can do many things, they say it's a lie. That if you are reading a newspaper and you are listening to someone, when you are listening, you stop reading. When you start reading, you stop listening. You, because the brain is so fast, you can be switching so fast that it appears you are connecting the dots, but you lose a lot of information in between. How many times has our wife said to us, are you listening to me? And you are saying Yes. You know, women, they know when you are listening. I don't know how they know. But they just know when you are not listening. 
So you are listening to me. You say yes. And they talk and they talk and they talk. And they stop. And my wife says, okay, what did I say last? Have they done that to anybody here? Or is it only me that goes through that? Okay, okay, guys, you, you, you go through it. And I say, what did I say last? And I say, ah, you know what I do? Ah, what's many? <laughs> it's like food is burning in the kitchen. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I divert it. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you are in trouble. You did not hear. Don't look at me like that. I just gave you a tip to save your marriage. <laughs> Be slow to speak. When God says be slow to speak, God is not saying be slow to speak because he wants you to be a stammerer. God says be slow to speak because he wants you to think before you talk. God wants you to think before you talk. God wants you to process the information before you profess it. God wants you to think before you talk. Now, if you are quick to listen, and you are slow to speak. You will be slow to get angry. You will, be, you will not be quick to get angry. In fact, that is the solution to anger. It's in the word of God. That's the solution to anger. Try it. If you find out that you, you are struggling with anger and all that and all that and all that. Try this formula. Be quick to listen. When someone is saying something, even though they are saying something that is irritating you, listen. When they are saying something that you want to respond from your emotions, don't respond from your emotions. Always respond from your mind, from your thought. Don't respond from your emotions. So be slow to speak. Don't speak. You feel like giving them a piece of the action. Don't speak. Some people say, oh, pastor, let me talk so that my body can calm down. No. If you talk in your emotions, you will destroy more things. After your body has come down, the things are destroyed already. So, be slow to speak. Breathe. Calm down. Think. Emotions and and our thinking, sometimes they don't work together. Sometimes when we are emotional, we cannot think. It shuts down our, our, our processing capacity. Sometimes when we are thinking, it shuts down our emotions. You know, which is why, you know, uh, uh, men, women, you know, logic and emotion and all that stuff. But you, if, you, if you are able to be slow to speak, yes, you, you, you know what you want to say. You, know, you, you can feel what you want to say, rather. But pause. Think about it. Process what you want to say. When you start doing it, you will move from the place of not even thinking at all before you talk to the place where you can see the impact of what you are about to say and say, hey, I will still say it. I know. I've passed through that stage. Okay, I can see it, but I'm I'm still going to say it. Then you will go to the stage where, when you can see it, you can control your emotions. Then you will find out that it's easier to live without living out of anger. It's easier 
for your wives to relate with you. Because you are not always lashing out. Because you are thinking before you are talking. So if you are quick to listen, slow to speak, you will always be slow to get angry. God wants our words to have value. In fact, God takes our words seriously. God takes our words seriously. He takes, he takes our words very seriously. Ecclesiastes 5, Ecclesiastes 5, verse, from verse 4, the word of God says that when you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. For God takes no pleasure in fools. God does not take pleasure in fools. Keep all. How many of your promises? Keep all the promises you make to him. Why? Because it is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. It says, don't let your mouth make you sin. And don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise you made was made in error, was a mistake. That would make God angry. And he might wipe out everything you have achieved. God will not be angry with you. And he will not wipe out the works of your hands. In the mighty name of Jesus. In relationship with God, there are usually three categories of people as it relates to this scripture. There are those that don't always make vows and don't fulfill their vows. Then there are those that don't make vows at all. So there's nothing to break. God says not to make a vow is better than making a vow and not fulfilling it. But there are still those that will make a vow and will fulfill it. In fact, you can't really work with God if you don't understand covenant. Because God is a God of covenant. God works with covenant. A covenant is different from a vow because a vow is a promise made by one party. One party by himself, voluntarily vows to do something, promises to do something. A covenant, on the other hand, it's, 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 it's mutual. God says, I will do this if you do this, and, and you do this, and God does this because he's as agreed. Da, 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 da. That's a covenant. Everyone that will work with God must understand how to make vows and keep their vows. Everyone that will work with God must understand how to covenant with God and stay in that place of covenant. Because the place of covenant is your secret place of protection. That's your place of power. I have certain covenants with God that the average person probably doesn't have. And you should too. This is just between you and God. It's a relationship. It was a relationship. Some of us, we have promised our lives to God. We say to God, uh, if you heal me, if you heal my mother, if you do this, I will <clears throat> give my life to you. And so maybe we gave, uh, gave the life to God, but we, we took it back. Some of us have taken our, back, our lives back from God. Say, God, I'm a better manager. I can do better than this. And we take our lives back. For some others, we, we promise God that if you... Do this, we, we, I will serve you. Now, God has done what he has done. You still are not serving God. 
Don't break your vows. Don't break your vows. For some of us, it could be material. God, I will do this if you do that. There's someone that says to God, God, you know, this business, you know, tight. I'm not even talking about tight. 50-50. Because the guy has taught that, you know, 50-50, of half a billion. That's it. 250 million, right? So he says, God, this business, once it comes through, 50-50. God, boom, does the miracle. And the guy says, ah, God, 10 million should be okay now. If I give 10 million to church, even pastor will bless me special. Look, listen, don't just change your destiny. <laughs> if you say 50-50, then it's what? Then it's 50-50. A, a, a story of a, of a young boy in, that lived in, the, um, in Israel in between 66 and 68, 1966 and 1968, about the time of the Six-Day War and all that. Israel was a lot, under a lot of fire and, 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 and pressure, I mean, from his neighbors. And this boy, it's a real-life story, the boy said he, by himself, he wasn't saved, he didn't know God, as it were. He went to an Orthodox church, he said. He said he was alone in that church. And he said to God in that church, if you take my family out of Israel, the boy said to God, I will give you a bottle of olive oil. <laughs> he was a boy, I mean, that was his own vow to God. Now, at the time, his father has offended the government of Israel. And the Israeli government had placed a ban on his father and his family traveling. And those people can be very tight with their security. So they were, they were not going anywhere. So the boy went to God's house and made the vow to God. And he said, in less than three weeks, what they've been trying to do for months and years, get out of Israel. In less than three weeks after this little boy made his vow, that they got a call from the Canadian embassy that they were going to take them in give them Canadian citizenship. And that was it. So he went to tell his father, his mom sent him to tell his father, because his father was not home when the news came, that they've been granted exit. And they celebrated. And they emigrated to, to Canada. And everybody was happy. And this boy said, he, he lay on his bed one day, rejoicing in the peace of the new country that he has found. And he said he heard a voice that said to him, where is my olive oil? He says he was a boy. He wasn't saved. He says he jumped up. He remembered his vow. And he ran to the store. He got a very big jar of olive oil. He took it to the church near his house. And he gave it to the pastor. That this is the olive oil. He says the pastor looked at him confused. And he said to the pastor, I made a vow to God. Take the olive oil. And he says he left Rejoicing. That boy today is Pastor Benny Hinn. That we all know about. And he says, that is when he began to understand that God is a God of vows and covenants. There are many of us who are seated here, God is saying to you, where is my olive oil? Whatever that represents to you. Where is my olive oil? You made a vow. Where is my olive oil? You made a vow that you buy, you give me a bottle of olive oil, but you are buying a new shirt. Where's my olive oil? 
You've bought new shoes. Where is my olive oil? You've bought new cars. Where is my olive oil? God holds our words highly. He holds us accountable to every word that we speak. And as fathers, what we say affects our own families. The vows we make affect our own families. I'm sure you, you are aware that if, if a son makes a vow, the mother can break that vow. If there's a child, for instance, the Benihin vow, if the mother heard about it, the mother can stand before God and break that vow and it's broken. And that's how God has set, put things in place. And if the wife makes a vow, her husband can break it. Do you know that? No, it's in scriptures. It's in scriptures. And if the man makes a vow, his pastor can break it. Of course. Now, what am I saying? What I'm saying is that as fathers, there are vows we make, there are things we do that affects our family. There's a man in Judges 11 called Jephthah. In the first two worship experiences, I've held myself back from calling him a foolish man. I still won't call him a foolish man. Jephthah made a foolish vow and said to God, if God gave him victory over the Ammonites, that the first thing that came out of his house when he came back from war, he was going to sacrifice to God. And I'm like, wait a minute, what was he expecting to come out of his house? Cockroach? Mosquitoes? Rats? So he was actually willing to sacrifice a human being. And God has made it clear from the substitutionary sacrifice of Isaac that he's not interested in human sacrifice. So that vow was unnecessary. And guess who was the first person to come out of his, of his house? It was his daughter. So he terminated the life of that girl because of a foolish vow. Then the question to us fathers is that what do we want so badly that we are sacrificing our children for? What do we want so badly that we are refusing to consider the impact on our families? Fathers. I know this is the year of victory. I know that we are going to be victorious. But what victory are you so desperate for? That you are mortgaging the life and destinies of your family. The most important victory you can have is victory in your home. It's more important than victory at work. It's more important than victory in your business. It's more important than victory anywhere else. In fact, the, the, the best definition of success I've, I've, I've seen is, is, is by John Maxwell. And, and he says that true success is this. He says that true success is when the people that know you the most respects you the most. Think about it. That's real. That's true success. Who are the people that know you the most? Your family. 
If even you sleep, I wake up with. No matter how successful your business is or your career is, if your children don't respect you, you have failed. If the people that know you the most don't respect you, you have failed. And you will not fail in the name of Jesus. So a father's role is that of authority, but authority always comes with responsibility. Authority always comes with what? Responsibility. So the father is responsible to speak these five words over his children. The father is responsible to speak the words of instruction to his children. Words of instruction. Proverbs 1.8 says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Don't leave teaching and instruction to the mothers alone. Many times it's convenient. Just, oh, go meet your mother. Oh, God. So, I mean, sometimes we just don't want to do anything. Thank God for our women. Even Mother's Day. In Mother's Day, they were the ones that took care of us. They gave us cake. They did everything. In Father's Day, they are still the ones doing everything for us. That's going to change. He's looking away. <laughs> that is going to change in Jesus' name. We have to step up. So, not only should I speak as a father, not only should you speak the word of instruction, you should speak, number two, the words of wisdom. The words of wisdom. Proverbs 10, 5. It says, he who gathers crop in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. You must not only instruct your children how to plant, you must, this is instruction, you must give them the words of wisdom. When to, in, how to interpret the season. How to know when it's time to harvest so that they can, they will not be sleeping. So, not only should a father speak the word of instruction, not only should the father speak the word of wisdom, the father should speak the word of correction. The word of correction to his family, his children, his wife, his family. So, so the word of wisdom and instruction are, are, are proactive. In other words, you speak them before you unleash the child. But no matter how smart, how submissive, how, how obedient the child is, children will always make mistakes. That's how it is. That's how it is. We, we, we grow by making mistakes. So when that happens, God wants you to step in as a father and speak the word of correction. Proverbs 29, 15 and 17. It says, the rod and rebuke give wisdom. For the child left to himself will bring shame to his mother. Correct your son and it will give you rest. Yes, it will give delight to your soul. So number one, the father must speak the words of instruction. Number two, the father must speak the words of wisdom. Number three, the father must speak the words of correction. And number four, the father must speak the words of love. The words of love. The words of love. We need to affirm our children. We need to speak the words of affirmation to our wives. We need to affirm our families. We need to speak the words of love. I did a survey, random survey, well, well on scripted survey in the first two worship experiences, and we asked 
how many people are here today that their fathers never said to them, never held them and said to them, I love you. And in the first two services, less than 20%, about 20%. So 80% of us, our fathers, we never heard our fathers say that. So I'm going to ask again, how many people here, your father has held you and said, I love you. Put up your hand. Let me see. Quickly. See? Again, not too many. Put on your hand. For those of us that our fathers have never said so, the truth is that we have a father of fathers. And he has sent me to tell you today, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I want you to receive that love from God. Receive the love from God. Many times I can tell you, I'm doing my prayer work. Mostly when I'm doing my prayer work, you know, sometimes when I'm driving. You know, the Holy Spirit says to me, I'm not even thinking in that direction. And he just says to me, Femi, I love you. And, you know, one of the first few times I cringe, I say, yeah, you know. And, you know, and he says to me, there was a time he said to me, <laughs> he says, there is no one like you. I say, no, 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 no. I reject that in Jesus' name. It's only God that there's no one. There's no one like Jesus. I says, there's no one like you. I said, no, there's no one like Jesus. He says, there's no one like you. And I began to understand that really, even physically, there's no one like you. Even identical twins, their thumbprints are different. Their iris are different. In fact, they said no two human beings have the same heartbeats. Your heartbeats are different. So I would say, some people's heartbeats is do, get, do, do, get, do. Some people's heartbeats do, do, get, do, do, get, do. <laughs> Just going up and down. But there is no two heartbeats are different. So really, that was correct. And so I, I struggled. But today, by God's grace, I have received the love of God. It's so important that my name is Uluwafemi. No, no, God loves you. <laughs> God loves you. And he wants me to tell you that he loves you. In fact, no one does this better than our Heavenly Father. He, God always leads by example. In, in, in Matthew 3, 17, the Bible says there was a voice from heaven that said to Jesus, the Father said to his Son, this is my beloved Son, the one I dearly love. It brings me great joy. God, our Heavenly Father, shows us by example how to publicly affirm our children. So we, as fathers, there's nothing like, oh, uh, we African men. What is African men? The word of God shows us that God publicly affirms his children. You should publicly affirm your children. You should publicly affirm your wife. Publicly. This is no pass for me. I'm not, I'm not giving to hypocrisy. I'm not giving to hypocrisy. I do it in the house. Yeah, I do it outside too. At least God did it outside in front of everybody. Are you bigger than God? Do it outside. And you see, if, if Jesus, as much as he knew who he was, if Jesus still needed his father's affirmation, why are you depriving your children? 
If Jesus still needed the God the Father to speak, and it, if it happened three or four times in scriptures, twice, but narrated three or four times. That is when recorded. How much more? There are some of us fathers, when, when our, our children come and, and our, our sons august, we cringe. Growing up, I used to, I used to until recently, I used to really struggle with it. I see my mom, she wants to kiss me. Ah! Even now, ah, okay, okay, okay. You know, what is it with us? Every man that is here, you need to go home and hold your sons and hug them, and kiss them, and tell them you love them. You need to go home and hold your daughters and tell them you love them. You need to go home and hold your wives and tell them you love them. I say, Pastor, you want to kill us? <laughs> it's the flesh that will die. And don't just do it. Do it in church. Hold your wife in church. It's sanctified. <laughs> Some men are sitting beside their wife, they're like this. Just put your hand, it's not going to try it. You won't die. Try, try, try. <laughs> your wife, your wife, fool. Don't do that for another person. No. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, the point is this. We need to break out of this stereotype and become what God has called us to be. So number one, every father should speak the words of instruction. Every father should speak the words of wisdom. Every father should speak the words of and the word of correction comes with the word of encouragement. Because I didn't explain the sandwich process. There's no time. Anyway, it comes with the words of encouragement. Number four, every father should speak the words of love. And number five, every father should speak the, law, the word of blessing. Every father should speak the word of blessings over his children, over his wife, over his family. It is so important that you bless your people. Why? Because if, if you're... Listen, don't leave the spiritual activity to your wives alone. Yes, they should do their stuff, but listen, when a man stands up spiritually, he speaks volumes. I'm not trying to minimize our women, but men, we are powerful. We are strong. We are spiritual. When you speak over your family, it's so, so powerful. You can read Genesis 49. When Israel blessed his children, you can read Ephesians 1, 3, talking about how God blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God wants you to speak the words. Of blessing. But you see, the, the problem with us is, is, is that we struggle because we, we cannot give what we don't have. Sometimes we struggle because we, we have not been blessed. We've not received the word of blessing. So we are empty when, we, when it's time to bless. 
Genesis 49, that we said in verse 26, the word of God says that, may my, this is Israel speaking. He says, may my fatherly blessings on you, may it surpass the blessings that is flowing through me from my ancestors. In other words, he's saying, I am releasing to you what I have received. And as I am releasing it to you, may it be multiplied unto you. So you must have received the blessing of your father before you can impact blessing, the blessing of the father. It's so, so, so powerful. And there are people here today, and I want to round up this service. Your father has never blessed you. He can't. Maybe he's dead. Or maybe he's alive, but, but you know that he's so obstinate, he's so hateful, he's not going to do it. If you will today, God has asked me to bless you if you will receive it. Now, some of us, our spiritual fathers have never blessed us. If you will, God wants to reverse it and put his blessings upon you. So that for those of us that are men, we can step out, out of here and confidently bless our wives and our children. So as for those of us that are women, we can feel that completeness that only comes from the blessings of the Father. Biologically, I had the goodwill of my father. I would say goodwill because he wasn't a Christian, so he didn't know how all these blessings were. But I had his goodwill. I'll tell you that another time. Spiritually, every pastor that I've served under, I had their blessings. First pastor in the U.S., I have a blessing. Pastor Sam Sam, you know him. I have his blessing. When we were leaving RCCG, reading, Pastor Debbie called me. I went to his house. Said I should kneel down. I knelt down. He laid his hands upon me and he blessed me. My spiritual father. <laughs> you know my spiritual father, right? This is my spiritual father. The late Pastor Escort. Now, three weeks, about three weeks before he died, I had a rumbling on my inside. I needed to see him. Got a ticket, got the next flight out of Lagos. It was London at the time. And I went to see him. I sat beside him. In fact, he, he, he was speaking so much into my life. When he went into the room, he told me to come into his bedroom. I sat by his bed and he continued. <laughs> you know, and his wife was like, ah, tell me in a while. And, you know, I left. And I came back to Lagos. Less than three weeks after that, he died. I was like, whoa. It was tough for me. Very tough. So you are looking at a blessed man. By the grace of God. So today, by God's grace, I can confidently say that the blessings of my fathers I can release unto you. Plus mine, so it will be multiplied unto you. Everyone that has been blessed of God today, You become unstoppable. 
going forward, the favor of God separates you from the pack. The things that you will do that will make God angry at you, you will not do it. <laughs> In the mighty name of Jesus. And, and, and that leads us to that very crucial thing. Because if God doesn't bless you, no man can bless you. If you are out of sync with God, you are living in sin, you are not saved, you are not born again, or you used to be born again, you're backsliding. But these blessings, they need to work for you. Yes, I've laid hands on you. Yes, I've released the blessings upon you. You need to align with God so that these blessings will kick in full force. So you are saying, I'm not in sync with God. Pastor, pray with me. I don't need you to come forward. But wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. That is me, Pastor. Put your hand down over your head quickly and I'll pray with you wherever you are seated. That is me. God bless you. Put up your hand well, well. God bless you. Not on your head. Over your head. Over, over, over. God bless you. I think there's a hand there. Another hand there. There's another hand there. God bless you. I can't see you well because of the light. So, ushers, you have to help me. God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can put down the hand and cry to God. Father, I pray for everyone who is surrendering to you today. We ask that you cleanse them totally change these lives, empower them to live for you, and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Praise the name of the Lord.